Well, great to see you and welcome again if you're visiting. Um, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? A beautiful weekend. Well, I'm sure if you've been walking around the park, you see this is my favourite season. Spring's great, isn't it? Just seeing everything coming to colour and uh, just seeing you know the ground, the dark ground, kind of bursting into life and new shoots coming through. And um, I to get that door sorted. Um, and uh, yeah, just life all around. And we didn't do this last week because Ryan was leaning a little bit. But we have new life to celebrate in Liberty Family as well, don't we? Baby Ezra at the back. Just um, Ryan, stand up for us so we can all have a good look. There we go. Do it. What a beautiful boy. Yeah, praise Jesus. Yeah, we love you, Ezra. Ezra, James, Mason. What a beautiful boy, hey. And um, isn't it great to celebrate as we celebrate the risen Lord Jesus, to celebrate new life, physical new life that we've been praying for and pleading for, and now we are able to welcome into our church family. What a gift that that is. And we get to celebrate today as we baptize our brother Tony, new life, new spiritual life. And we pray that for Ezra. We pray that in a few years to come that someone will be taking him below the waters and be baptizing him as a brother in Christ, don't we? And that is the Easter story, folks. New life. That's what it's about, isn't it? That's why we're singing our hearts out this afternoon, because we have something to celebrate. We are celebrating that Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty. He has just folded up his grave clothes so neatly to show that he is a God of order. And he is no longer there. It is about new life. It is about life pushing back darkness. Like I love that. And just as you know, you walk through the gardens and you see just, I don't know what they are, but whatever plants are coming through the ground, just bursting through and pushing back the darkness of the soil around them. Life breaching through what looks like death. Trees, bearing buds. They look dead, but they're not. They're alive. They're blossoming. They're, they're, they're growing leaves. We had a, a walk out, an Easter walk last week uh, down your neck of the woods. Where was it? The frogs. The, the five bridges, wherever that was. The Seven Valley. No, it couldn't have been the Seven Valley. We went there. Anyway, we went on this beautiful walk near where Cam lives. Thirsk, around there. And um, we had this really just powerful Easter moment of, of life uh, kind of making its way through death. We were walking around this pond and there were like these, what looked like thick leaves just scattered on the ground. There was a, a woody bit to the right and then a big pond to the left. But as we looked closer, we saw they weren't thick leaves. They were actually squashed frogs. And they've been trying to make their way across the path. And the poor old frogs, I know, it's terrible, isn't it? Um, they were getting squashed by people because they were camouflaged, which obviously works in some circumstances, but didn't play in their favour in this circumstance. So there were lots of these squashed flog- frogs around. But then we saw this massive frog, like a daddy frog or a mummy frog, with a baby frog on its back. And it was amazing. And he was hopping his way along and we saw it in time. So we stopped and we watched. And he made his way through all the dead frogs, navigating through all of the... And he made his way to the edge of the pond. And it wasn't as spectacular as you think. It was actually quite hilarious. He tumble-turned into, into the pond, somersaulted in, but he made his way in. And actually, I was thinking, what a powerful picture of life working through death. And actually... That is the story of Easter. This story that we celebrate this afternoon, it is an impossible story of life from death. Ryan read to us from Matthew 28. We probably heard that account so many times. My prayer for us this afternoon, folks, is that the resurrection will be so fresh 
that we would just realise again the, the impossibility and the glory and the beauty of our Saviour being alive. Of him not being defeated by death, but being right now seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning in perfect authority. That passage from Matthew 28, we see Mary and Mary go into the tomb Sunday morning. And you picture these two ladies for three years, they've been following Jesus, listening to his teachings, seeing his miracles, receiving his love and his care, receiving all of the life that Jesus had to give. And yet just two days earlier on Good Friday, all of that ministry came seemingly to an abrupt halt. They watched their saviour being crucified, being nailed to a Roman cross. They watched as Joseph took his body and wrapped it in cloths. They watched as he was placed into the tomb. And now on Easter morning, they come expecting to find what all of us would expect to find after someone who has been crucified. They expect to find Jesus' dead body. Except they didn't. And that is why we are here today. Because the tomb was empty. They reached the tomb. The stone is rolled away. And I love the way, like I was, I was just deciding, do, do we go with Luke or do we go with Matthew? Matthew's just a bit more funny than Luke. There's just some comedy in there, which is just, the angel is just sitting there on top of the stone, just waiting for the two Marys to come. And as they approach, he tells them, he's not here. He's risen. And then the impossible happens. The risen Lord Jesus appears to them. It's not a vision. It's not a mirage. It's not a ghost. He is there in the flesh. Matthew says they touched him. They held him. He's there, flesh and bones. And again, just to, like we wouldn't react like this if we were Jesus. And it's a good job we're not. He just turns to them and he says, greetings. So cool. So at peace. But I think that's the point, isn't it? Like, he's not troubled. He's not frantic. He's not like, okay, let's go. He's just like, greetings. In a place of perfect peace. He's there living and breathing. He's there to touch. He's there to talk to. Because he is alive. And this is anything but normal for these women. For thousands of years and for hundreds of generations... Men and women have been born into this world and it's all gone the same way. They've lived and then they've died. And that's it. That has been the story of humanity all the way from Adam. Death had reigned and God's people had waited for the promised deliverer, the one who was going to come and live and die and live again. And here he is. Unlike everyone who came before him, Jesus went into death. And he came out. Two days earlier, death had a grip on him. But now at the tomb, Jesus stands in front of his friends full of life. And death is nowhere to be seen. As he stands before Mary and Mary, he shows us that life in Christ is a life that isn't constrained by death. It's a life that has peace beyond the grave. And it's a life that is more powerful than the sin that held him to the cross just two days earlier. We see in Matthew's account, we see in the resurrection, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is an impossible story of life from death. 
And the good news of the gospel is he doesn't keep that life to himself. He offers it to all who have faith to believe. The resurrection life that he endures, this life that isn't constrained by death, this life that has peace beyond the grave, this life that is more powerful than the sin that sent him to the cross, that life he offers to everyone who will follow him by faith. Listen to this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. This is what Peter says. He's talking about the resurrection and he just can't control his, his worship and adoration. He starts with this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Let me just give you just a few, four points that Peter shows us about this resurrection life that are so important for us to grasp. And the first one is this. It'll be up on the screen. Resurrection, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ shows us God's mercy. Peter is clear. If you've got the passage in front of you, you can see he is clear. This resurrection life, or, or as he calls it, being born again, it isn't what we deserve. Ryan's already reminded us of that. It is mercifully given to God's people. We have done nothing to earn the, the favour of God to, to bring us this, this newness of life that he promises to all that would follow him. He is a God of mercy. He gives it mercifully. We don't deserve life. We deserve death. And if we want a vivid picture of what the mercy of God looks like, look at the cross. Look at Jesus' death for us. Every aspect of the pain that Jesus endured, the betrayal that he experienced, all of the humiliation that he experienced and the abandonment that he experienced for us, that was ours to suffer. Yet in mercy, he took it for us. Folks, don't be fooled. We deserve nothing from God but his judgment for our sins against him. Yet mercifully, he gives his people life. So if you doubt his mercy... Look to the empty grave. Be reminded in his resurrection that he is a God of mercy. Secondly, we're reminded the resurrection, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, this resurrection life that he offers to us, it is a gift. Peter says he causes us to be born again. Not us. Outside of Christ, we have no hope of life. Eternal death is coming for us as the just penalty for our sin. We have no power. We have no strength. We have no ability within ourselves to save ourselves or to clean ourselves or to make ourselves pleasing to God or to make ourselves better. We have no power within ourselves, folks, to make ourselves be born again. The only way for a peaceful life beyond death is to receive it by God through faith. And he offers that to every single one of us. This life that he offers, this resurrection life, it is a gift of grace. And if you doubt that God is a God of grace, then just look to the empty grave. Thirdly, resurrection life, it gives us hope for today. Peter says we are born again into a hope. No, we are born into a living hope. Not just, just a hope that we, we will grasp one day. Not just a hope that we might acquire at some point. We are born into a living hope. Christian, don't think that, that your faith is just a waiting room for heaven. This isn't just a holding pattern. We are born again into a living hope. And we have hope now because Jesus is alive. 
Think about it. Because Jesus is alive, we know that the power of Satan, sin and death has been defeated. Because Jesus is alive, we know that the promise that he gave to his followers before he died, that he would send his Holy Spirit. Because he is alive, we know that we have received his Holy Spirit. Because he is alive, we know where he is now. Where is he? He's at the right hand of the Father, seated in a place of authority, ruling and reigning. The power of Satan, sin and death is defeated. His Holy Spirit has come. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. So know this, if you feel condemned over your sin, look to the living Christ and be assured that he has defeated the power of your sin. If you feel anxious over your future, look to the living Christ. See where he is now, seated at the right hand of the Father, and be assured that he is in control of all things. If you feel lonely, then look to the living Christ and be assured that God's people are never alone because we have his Holy Spirit with us. Brothers and sisters, if you're lacking hope, look to the empty grave. And lastly, Peter says the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, this resurrection life that we are offered because he has gone before us, this resurrection life secures for us an eternal inheritance in heaven. The hope that we have because of the resurrection isn't constrained to this life. God's people have an eternal hope. And if you are born again, God has gone. The Lord Jesus Christ has gone before you to prepare a place for you. Jesus passed through death to make a way. He is just the first and more will follow. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we're going to follow him. We're going to come after him. His was the first fruit of our resurrection. Because he died on the cross, your sin that is paid. And because of his resurrection, you have eternal life ahead of you with him. And that place, listen folks, it, it goes beyond any human understanding of, of peace and rest and glory and majesty and love and comfort and pleasure. It is the place that we all so desperately long to be. That is what is waiting for us. And listen, Peter is really clear. You cannot lose that inheritance. He says it's imperishable, it's undefiled and it's unfading. And we can't lose it because who does Peter say is keeping it for us? Christ, not us. So if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are a son of the Father, a daughter of the Father, there is no amount of sin, there is no amount of stumbling, there is no amount of weakness, there is no circumstance in life that you will face that will ever prevent you from entering into the presence of God when this is all over nothing. Because it all is banking on Christ, not on you. How do we respond then? How do we respond to the truth of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and the life that he offers us? Well, I want us to see that it is a life-changing event. The resurrection of Jesus is life-changing for us as believers. Think of it like this. Imagine we're watching the TV and there's an, an advert on and it's a warning for cancer. And for two minutes, we're watching this this, uh, this advert giving us the, the warnings of the symptoms of cancer and what we need to do if we see these symptoms and, and telling us a story of someone who's experienced it and we're, we're watching it and, we're, and we're, we're connecting with it, we're heartbroken and, and, and we're heeding the warning but as soon as the advert's over we move on to something else. The next advert, or we flick the channel and put something else on. 
It's not really a reality that, that makes a difference to us because it's not our reality. Now imagine one day we go to the GP and he gives us the news that we never want to hear. The test results have come back and we've got cancer. Well, because that is our reality, because we're living in it, everything changes, right? Everything changes. What we do with our time changes. Who we spend our time with changes. What we do with our resources changes. How we view what is coming next changes. How we view what has gone before changes because it is our reality. We don't skip into another channel. And the resurrection life that we've been given, if you are a brother and sister in Christ, if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is your reality. So it changes everything, folks. Just like cancer would change your reality, so the resurrection, it is the antithesis of that kind of bad news. It is the best news ever that you can receive, that the eternity ahead of you, which is imperishable, unfading, undefiled, kept in heaven for you because Christ has gone before you, a heavenly eternity waiting for you of perfect peace, perfect rest, perfect comfort, a place with no sorrow, no pain, no death, no frustration, no fear, no anxiety. The fact that that is waiting for you should change everything. It should change how we use our time and who we spend our time with. It should change how we use our resources. It should change how we view our past, our present and our future. Here are the three responses really that we can take as we think about the resurrection and we think about allowing the weight of the resurrection to to sit on us, particularly today. You've popped them up for us, Miles. We can come, we can go, and we can worship. Please hear this. If you're not a Christian here this afternoon, we're so glad that you are here. But you need to hear this. If you are dead in your sin, if you are following sin and not Jesus Christ, well, there's an invitation held out to you by Christ today to come to him and to receive eternal life. And my plea to you this afternoon is don't wait any longer. You're here not by accident. (laughs) Don't wait any longer. I'd encourage you when I'm done and as I'm praying, pray with me. Confess your need for him and receive him as your saviour. No better day to do it than today. Come to him. Secondly, go in Matthew's gospel. After meeting the resurrected Jesus, the women go. They go and tell the other disciples. They tell them what they have seen. They tell them that they have seen the risen Lord Jesus. And at the end of Matthew 28, what do we get? The Great Commission. All of God's disciples are told to go. Don't keep this good news to yourself. And it is the best news. And it is the best time to get that best news out. Because listen, the enemy is on the back foot, folks. Because Jesus is no longer on the cross, because the grave is empty, Satan, sin and death are defeated. They are on the back foot. Darkness is being pushed back as the kingdom of God is advancing. And this news is too great to keep to ourselves. So go. Do it tomorrow. Christians, I'm talking to you. Take the good news of eternal life in Jesus Christ and tell it to whoever you can tell it to. And finally, worship. Guys, would you come up? We're going to respond as Mary and Mary respond. They meet the risen Lord Jesus. And Matthew tells us this. They fall at his feet. And they worship. That's the right response to seeing who Christ is. 
to see in what he has done in his death on the cross and what he has brought us into through his resurrection. How does Peter start his little bit about the resurrection? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, exclamation mark. I think that means he was probably shouting it. (laughs) He is so excited. He just wants to bless the Lord for, for this truth of the resurrection. He can't keep it within himself. He needs to worship. It just it needs to flow out of his heart. Mary and Mary are the same. They see the risen Lord Jesus. They realize what has happened with their sin. They realize how faithful he is to his promises. And they fall at his feet and they worship. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to sing together. Can you guys stand?